0: Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit boattrader.com to get started.
1: It's a Guy Jeans podcast. Hey you guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Guy Jeans. I'm your host. I want to thank you guys for listening to my podcast with all the different guests that I have and their amazing stories. So thank you very much. Remember, if you get a chance, you know, submit a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It's much appreciated and it definitely helps the podcast grow. So thank you, you guys. I want to thank also my main sponsor, goldco.com. And if you get a chance, make sure to check it out, you guys. It's pretty cool. Go to goldco.com slash guy, and you guys can get a significant discount. Check it out, you guys. It's it's definitely pretty cool. My guest today is Buddy Winnington. Buddy was the guitarist for John Mayhall and the Blues Breakers for 15 years. Um, On this podcast, we talk about his early childhood and guitar playing, songwriting, as well as life on the road with John Mayhall. He's currently still playing, and he has a new record coming out called Texas Scratch with members Jim Suler and Jim Simon from George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Plus, there's other great musicians on there as well. If you're interested in guitar playing and learning about one of the great guitar players out there, this one's for you. And again, guys, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. how you doing well doing okay
0: uh getting ready to do uh let's see i've got the texas scratch gig this weekend and a couple of rehearsals and just <laughs> just uh trying to remain active in the music business as we know it
1: yeah man uh, I'm, i I want to talk to you about your your band it's it's called texas scratch right well the album
0: actually okay. is called that through, through through no fault of my own it was uh <laughs> I have a song on that album called I Got the Itch, But I Ain't Got the Scratch, and they
1: kind of went from there with it. Yeah, I love that song. I'm gonna, I want to talk about that um, for sure. I, um, first of all, um, are you in Texas right now? Yes. And wh- whereabouts are you in Texas? I, I'm about 15 minutes away from DFW Airport. Oh, okay. And did you grow up in Texas? Been here all my life. Nice. And so did you start playing guitar when you were a young, young lad?
0: probably eight years old or so
1: no way and how, how did that go down like did did your parents well, give it you a- was,
0: i had i had an older sister my sister had 10 years on me and of course in 1964 i was eight years old you know and mm-hmm. uh and the beatles hit and this you know every all the british bands started showing up and besides that my parents were big into western swing music and country music and there was a lot of that going on here especially like on Saturday afternoon TV and I would I would tune into that just to see what kind of guitars the guys were playing you know Uh-huh
1: even when you were just a little kid you were just checking out the guitars Very interesting to me always uh-huh. has been And did they finally give you a guitar and you just started going off Well I, I the first one I got was a
0: Catalina built by Stella uh and you know cheap $15 six string that came from an auto parts store nice and uh, I, I don't have the actual one but I do have one just like it
1: that's so cool and then you got it did you just start practicing like crazy well did the
0: best I could it, w- it was real hard to play I had to get another bridge put on it to lower the action song, <laughs> that's it was awesome. just killing me you yeah. know
1: yeah I, I have friends that uh you know play uh in bands and stuff and one of my friends, you know, was playing pots and pans, you know, as a drummer before he got his yeah. first drum kit, you know?
0: Well, actually, you know, I was I was interested in drums, uh, actually, probably before the guitar bug hit, and I think my parents thought that maybe it would be better off for me to be a guitar player than running around the house banging on pots and pans, you know?
1: Yeah. I, you know, um, I've been looking at all your, listening to your songs, and I've been looking at your videos, and you know, quite obvious how talented of a guitar player you are and, you know, your history and everything. Would you mind sharing, like, what it takes to 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 get to your caliber as a guitar player?
0: Well, you know, all I've ever really done is just tried to stay with it. I, I've never had any... I mean, I've I've learned some stuff from some good friends of mine that are really good players, way better than I'll ever be. Uh-huh. But uh, I just... You know, I just generally liked liked it so much that I've always just kind of stayed with it.
1: Uh huh. You just kind of always had a guitar in your hand and just kept practicing.
0: Pretty much, and and listening back in, you know, in the day when I was growing up, we just had records in the radio, you know. Yeah. And uh, a new record would come out, and that actually my sis would go out and she'd she'd bring home Led Zeppelin too, and I'd be in there slowing it down, trying to play Jimmy Page licks, you know. And
1: yeah, absolutely. You know, you know what's crazy is how many, how much effect uh some of those, you know, old rock bands have had on people, you know, and influenced so many guitar players and and whatnot, and you know, all the Texas-based bands as well, you know. Yeah, well, I saw I saw a lot of them. I didn't see them all, but I saw. Yeah.
0: I think I saw Zeppelin four or five times because they, they you were really? a regular. They were a regular here for you know seventy three to. I guess I saw, I think I saw one, maybe 70, 70, 71, then 73, 75. I think I saw them three or
1: four times. What was it like? What was it like when you saw them, like, for the first time?
0: Well, it was, the sound was not great. (laughs) I I, I expected it to sound like the records, which it did not. But, man, they were, it was like going to the circus or something. They were a spectacle, you know. Yeah. And they were all, uh, you know. Skinny, good-looking kids that had—I <laughs> mean, I—I I remember Jimmy had—he had a Les Paul on his famous Les Paul. strung it was hung down to his knees, no and I thought, man, that guy's got to be hurting his back, you know, trying to play like that. Uh-huh. And I can also—I remember there was this astonishingly beautiful young woman that was in the wings just watching every you know every time oh, yeah. he would make a move she was just thrilled to death you know i was going <laughs> man i gotta figure out how to get a job like that. <laughs>
1: that's so cool any of the any of the bands that you saw stand out like them back in the day any other bands I, that you're just blown away
0: i saw zz top in 72 and that that i missed I, there was one show that i missed that all my friends saw and i don't know how i missed it but uh They pretty much, I mean, I charted my course after seeing the early ZZ, you know what I mean? Uh Uh-huh. You know, go ahead. It just really knocked me out, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're Texas-based too, right? Yeah. You know, what? what is it about that sound that comes from Texas, man? I mean, it's a definite sound, Uh, right? I'm sorry, you're breaking up. Say that again. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, what is it about that sound, that Texas sound? just it's like that song Texas trio's
0: it's it's just the, the you know guitar bass and drums and yeah. somebody singing it and let's go you know yeah and uh, w- you know when somebody's playing it right and putting the right emphasis on everything it, it makes all the difference for me you know
1: yeah i i read somewhere that you played with uh you played with a whole bunch of people and done a lot of festivals and stuff but you were playing with John Mayhall for Right, for a long time is that right
0: yeah i was in i was in uh, john mail's band for 15 years between 93 and 2008 and we got a lot of festivals in there
1: oh my gosh i bet and did you got does he live in like the ventura county california area he, he's in woodland hills oh okay because did you play in ventura like down in the harbor a lot We played the
0: Ventura Concert Theater quite a lot.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. That's a great venue to to see bands, for sure.
0: From what I understand, it's, you know, when we used to play there, it was still kind of a fairly, un you know, the, the, the whole town was just really kind of like a country town back then. And now, from what I hear, they've got it all you know yeah gussied
1: up yeah <laughs> that's a good way to put it that's a nice way to put it man I, i'm actually here in ventura right now
0: yeah yeah i love it
1: there I, I do too uh but yeah that's uh definitely um it's definitely gussied up for sure so you're also um well first of all so did you play in europe with um john a lot did you what was that like what are the fans like there
0: Well, when we first started doing it, you know, in 1993, there, there was still a real strong blues proponent going on there. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think it's quite as, as much as that, as it was, you know, I don't think it is like that now as much as it was then, but, but yeah, they were, uh, people were just piling in to see us, you know, of course not to see us to see John. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I was just fortunate to be along for the ride, but, uh, You know, he's always had a a huge fan base and and was, I mean, he was playing, you know, East Germany way back before the wall came down and just, Uh you know, he's just, he's just been everywhere, you know, What's it was was quite, quite an education.
1: Oh, that's so cool. And what's it like playing with him at these, these uh, big shows and stuff like that?
0: Well, I mean, you know, he, John is, he's always been real good about. Or was with me anyway. He he would give you about enough rope to hang yourself. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, you let you say, go ahead and do if you're going a certain way with something, and then if it doesn't bother him, he'll let you go. And I like in a studio especially. We'll get in there, and, and he he wouldn't even be in the room part of the time. He'd be letting us work out something to play, and and then he he pop his head in the door once in a while and go go another way with that. I don't like that. Go another way. You uh-huh. know? And, and, and usually it was fairly easy we just change our approach you know and yeah. uh, and it would work out like that
1: what is it I mean, what is it about uh somebody like that that may you know like you've obviously played with him for 15 years and what is it about like somebody like that 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 has a band that keeps up keeps somebody in the band for that long i mean it says something about him obviously you know that he's a good dude and that sort of thing is it yeah it, it was it, it
0: it was great for me because i mean it we were so you know cemented in there for so long i i think that's probably what happened toward the end of it when it all started flying apart you know because yeah. he had never had a band for that long before i mean coco montoya was before me oh,
1: okay. and he was
0: in he was in there for 10 years
1: ah. and
0: uh and i had met john in dallas at a place called dallas alley we had we had a little local band here called the sidemen and we opened for John May on the Bluesbreakers at a place called Dallas Alley in the west end of Dallas. And uh, I just happened to look over to my right and there was John there putting his keyboard stand together. You know, we never had he never had anybody do that stuff for him until until the latter days of being we had a road manager in the latter days. But usually uh-huh. it was just the four of us renting a couple of cars and driving around. In Europe we had a bus.
1: Uh-huh. But
0: uh, but here in the States we just had like a couple of Crown Vicks or <laughs> or Cadillacs or whatever we whatever we could get for a month at a time, you know.
1: Uh huh. What What is the attraction to him? I mean, how come his fan base has gotten so big over the years? He or- has. He has
0: just. He's lived, lived a charmed life. I'm here to tell you, man. Yeah. He's always had a huge fan base, and uh, and his fans go way. some, some of his fans. I mean, he'll be 90 years old this week no way after after uh, the day after thanksgiving i believe he'll be 90 years old and he's i mean he had that many fans when i got in and well before that you know he's just always had a a big draw you know so cool. because i think he you know he he is probably the most famous as a band leader you know for uh-huh. knowing which way to which way to go with you know and getting the right combination of guys that can back him up you know and yeah. and we did and we did that uh our, our particular blues breakers we had several several bass players but uh i think the, you know the the whole the that whole bunch of guys were were that we had were always pretty well versed in in just we'd come out and play a couple of tunes on our own and introduce him and then he would come out and just start calling the tunes and we would do our best just to you know be cognizant of what he was wanting us to do and you know and what tunes we were going to do and, mm-hmm. and we just knew how to back him up you know
1: that's so cool man and he would he just call out tunes out of the blue like okay we're gonna do this well, song yeah. not, not
0: usually we usually had a we usually had a song list okay. most of yeah. the, i mean most of the time we did but he might call an audible once in a while you know yeah. but uh but usually he would write a set list out before the, the you know maybe sometimes for the entire tour sometimes it'd be like if he was having trouble with his voice or something he would uh he would change one where he didn't have so many high notes or something like that or or you yeah. know sometimes we would maybe maybe even change a key on some a few things you know but he we pretty much went out knowing what we were going to do
1: yeah i mean singing out every night huh that can get get you down like your voice yeah. and stuff yeah. what about you would you get worn out playing all playing all the time like that i tell you what i i would like to say that
0: you know I would like to say that i did you know there are times when i would get tired and be ready to come home be ready to tie the end the end of the tour up but yeah man it was it was such a great gig yeah just to just to get out and be able to go out and play all the time for like that and you know i was married and had a three-year-old and a a newborn Uh and i would we would go out i think the longest i ever went out with him was for two months at a time and and that was Uh That was long enough to, you know, I mean, go out and we we missed one day on that. We were who are we opening for? Status quo, and uh, they had a they had a a a dimmer pack in their lighting rig blow up, and we were we canceled uh, the the gig was canceled that night, so that we we missed one night in sixty days of playing.
1: Oh my god! And
0: and after that was over, we we were ready to check in at the old home twenty for a little while, you know.
1: Yeah, that that must be hard, you know, not seeing your. Your babies, it's, you know, it is long, it's right?
0: very hard. It, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I would come home and they would literally be, you know, physically grown <laughs> yeah, or growing. You know? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's crazy, man. So, you songwrite, and you're a songwriter, right?
0: Well, I wouldn't call myself a songwriter. I would like to be a songwriter. I, <laughs> I've always, I've always got a tune kind of bubbling on the back burner, but I'm, I'm not. You know, it's like jerry williams used to say you're not a songwriter unless you write something every day whether uh-huh. whether whether it's a great song or not you got to keep writing things to keep the keep it the the pump primed you know what i mean and, i do and yeah. i don't do that i've you know i've got a lot of other stuff going on just trying to keep the old house running and all that <laughs> but yeah. uh, i do try you know i do try my best to, to write one every now and then I, I wish i had a new fresh batch of them now The the Texas scratch thing that, that album is 15 years old. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Well, me and Jim Suler drove up to New Jersey. Oh gosh. I don't remember what, what year would it have been It's, it's like 15 years. So was, I think I was still in the, still in the blues or just got out maybe 20, what's that? 2011, 2012, something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, uh, we drove up there to record it and with uh with another label and then it got put on a shelf for a long long time and we finally just gave up on it coming out i mean we got paid for doing it and everything you know and uh-huh. and then after that it just kind of went away for a long time and i wound up i had two or three songs that are on the texas scratch album that i put out on my own album because i didn't want to see them go to waste you know yeah and uh i had an album called six strings Bengali that came out shortly after we did we recorded uh, texas scratch and since nothing was happening i put my 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 personal tunes two or three of them out on that record and then now here we are later down the you know down the pipe we're putting the original record back out so
1: sounds great man
0: i'm glad to see it come out
1: yeah and it's and you've from what i understand i was looking at the the songwriting and it looks like you have a couple songs on on this record. I right? I
0: think I I've either got two or three on yeah. there. And yeah. we did there's the other one the other one I
1: submitted there's one called
0: the uh, Louisiana Cockfight by a gentleman here from Fort Worth named John Nitzinger who is a an idol of all us local musician guys around here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh in the, in the early 70s he he was on Capitol Records and and uh, he did he was on capital and also 20th century records i think but he he had uh, a lot of tunes out that uh and he was a good good local draw too we all went to see him as much as we could real really uh really great songwriter and guitar player and singer you know and and i just wanted to throw that in there kind of yeah. as a tip of the tip of the hat to him you know
1: absolutely so tell me about your songwriting you know and how you go about it how does how does that process work you come up with a little riff and then you kind of like go oh, okay well, that works let's do this and so,
0: well it, it could be that way but i mean yeah. it's any 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 number of ways really i i would i would hear we're talking about i ain't got the scratch a minute ago yeah. that came from i mean i was probably 16 years old and i used to hang around a music store here in town and the ernie ball string company they used to have these little cards that the the managers of the stores that they'd have cartoons drawn on them or, or printed on them and then they would put them in the strings of the guitars to you know to keep people from messing with them you know or like if it had a, a, a this card in the strings don't pick it up anyway the the card in this this one guitar said i've got the itch for a beer but i ain't got the scratch <laughs> and that just and that just stayed with me yeah. You know, until I until I went one day I went, <laughs> I ain't got the scratch, I got the itch but I ain't got the scratch, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, just it could be like that, you know, it could be any number of, you know, you might have heard a little just a couplet of words or whatever, you know. Yeah. Or something that's on your mind but uh it, it can come any way really. I it hasn't visited me in quite a while, I must say. I got to get busy and try to start writing some new stuff.
1: Mhm. You know the I I am a songwriter as well and I I found that sometimes there has to be you know something that happens in your life that kind of motivates you to you know how that that approach yeah, fit, yeah, you know what I mean and uh and then you know sometimes you just let like, go blank and it's everything's it's like it's like life is good you <laughs> have anything to write about you know That's true man <laughs> and, but uh, but you know
0: you I I think that you know the thing with Jerry Williams I think he was right you really should at least try to write whether it's a song or whether it's a just yeah. a bunch of words just keep it coming out you know
1: uh-huh
0: and uh, and keep your keep your well full you know
1: yeah so when you're let's say that you're um you know jamming with somebody and uh they're in in a in a key of uh a something like that do you do you have like a typical like they, oh, and then and then they're on stage and they say oh okay uh, go ahead buddy you solo do you have like a set pattern that you're that you're playing or are you just kind of improvising what what you feel um, when you're when those notes are coming out how does that work well kind, for you?
0: kind of a combination of both really yeah. I mean I you know I've, I've got I, you know it's not like I have an unlimited palette of licks but uh, yeah. You know, I can I can mix them up to where maybe everybody I know hasn't heard them at least a thousand times. You, know? <laughs> and, uh, you just kind of do the best you can. I I know a lot of guitar players. Well, not a lot because there's not a lot of them that can pull it off. But especially some jazz guys that I know. It's amazing. Yeah. The uh, vocabulary of things that they have to play, and they don't look at them as licks. They work out of scales, you know, and yeah. and just. Just the way they approach it, I just I just don't know that much about music to do that. I I should have uh, probably put a, li- a lot more attention on learning that kind of thing, but I just wanted to pick it up and play it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And in Texas, scratch is is a is a style, right? Is is that what I'm reading correctly?
0: Well, that you know that is as far as I know that is ultimate fertilizer because <laughs> uh, because we've been going over that a lot when we saw that when it came out with the the promo for the album yeah that whole carter scratch thing that may be true but uh it wasn't true in this okay instance because because it started i mean it started i think because of that ain't got the scratch song uh-huh. and the, the the owner of the first label that we were dealing with on it he he comes up with this Texas Scratch name, and I said, well, "Why don't you want, Why do you call it that?" You know, and he says, "Well, isn't money isn't money supposed to be scratch?" And I'm going, "Well, <laughs> I suppose so, you know, but uh-huh. uh, it really doesn't make much sense." But that, but we've been we've been running with it, and then that showed up in the like I say in the promo for the album, and I've been working tirelessly to try to get it out of there, but I hadn't been able to do any good.
1: What um, let's talk about the guys that are playing on this uh, on this record. Um, we got Jim Suler, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, he, he's a member of uh, George Thoroughgood, right? Yes, sir. He's been play, he's been playing guitar with George for probably nearly thirty years. I think a long time. Where does George come from?
0: Uh, Delaware.
1: Delaware, okay. And then we also have uh, Jeff Simon on drums, and he's a member yep, of George uh, Thoroughgood, right?
0: Yeah, and J- Jeff is his drummer, and he he still lives up that way. I don't think he's in Delaware, but he's up that way somewhere
1: and vince converse on guitar as well vince was a houston guy who has relocated to denver
0: and we're not doing the the couple of gigs that we're doing right now just to kind of get started on promoting the album just jim and i are doing it because we haven't been able to you know hook up with vince to get it together but we will and we hope to yeah uh, you know
1: as we go and then uh nathan peterson on bass yeah, Nate uh, and then that Nate passed away here before the album came out. Oh, I hate to say because yeah. you know,
0: he's such a sweet guy. He was uh uh played in Savoy Brown also for a good while. Okay. God. And uh, what a lineup, man. Yeah, he it, well, it was a it was a fun bunch and and also recording it up at uh uh Dover mm-hmm. Delaware Studios up there. Uh Oh gosh, what's the name of the studio? I can't think. Ben Elliott was the guy that owned the place. Now he's passed away, oh. so we got to get we got to get busy, or we're all going to be gone. You know.
1: <laughs> so what's the plan? Are you guys going to tour around and promote this?
0: Well, we're going to do our
1: best too, and
0: just see uh-huh. how, how the. Uh, you know do some uh, we all like i say jim is busy with with george and uh-huh. i've got a little band that we work with you know we move around with a little bit down here and it's
1: uh-huh. you know we do
0: the best we can i actually i've got a couple of things going on depending on what the gig is you know
1: uh-huh.
0: uh sometimes i'll take a little trio out and sometimes i've got a quartet and other, uh-huh. with another great guitar player and singer you know
1: that uh-huh that uh
0: so if what, I had his hair, if I had his hair, it would be his band. You know what I
1: mean? <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> right on. So, are you doing uh, jazz festivals too? Like, are you traveling and playing um, with Santiago Campillo? Well, now, now
0: Santiago Campillo is a good friend of mine from uh-huh. Murcia, Spain, uh-huh. and uh, and we met years ago when I was over with John uh, playing the San Javier Jazz Festival over there. And uh, it's unusual because it's there's a lot of jazz festivals going on that there are not quite so many jazz bands on. I mean, they're yeah. they're not a, they're not averse to having a blues or a rock band, you know, in a, yeah. in the midst of all these great jazz people, you know. Yeah. Which much to my chagrin, you know, a lot of times where I'd be in the next dressing room from, you know just i can't think any names right off but i mean just about any anybody you can think of all zombies yeah. festivals and then you know they're, they're all it's so funny because when these guys would be decked out in all these three-piece suits and stuff and going out in this blistering heat in europe and john comes out with a wife beater and a pair of shorts on you know and <laughs>
1: <laughs> awesome man so are you are you doing any more of those kind of shows like over in spain or anything well i I
0: just we did one i santiago called me over
1: in uh
0: july last july and i went over and we did that one and and we did a few smaller ones while i was there too but uh he's just a good friend and 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 just always tries to get me involved in stuff like that we've had a lot of fun doing it
1: do you get nervous playing in front of people still
0: not so much yeah. uh, you know you always want to do a good job Yeah. You know, but uh,
1: I think not, uh, not really I think um, you know I think a, a really good nervous is that you want to perform well and you want to do good for the fans you know, is yeah. that, you know? and so that's the nervousness
0: it, yeah it might be uh, a little weird if you didn't have a little of that going on like, yeah
1: know? right yeah and I I always ask musicians that and they, they you know some of the some of them uh or i should say most of them say that say that you know they're yeah man i'm just nervous i just want to perform i hope i can remember the lyrics (laughs) Uh,
0: yeah well that is a as we go on down the down the turnpike it's more more true every day oh for sure you see a lot of people that you grew up listening to that have got ipads mounted on their (laughs) mic stands you know
1: totally what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you you know while you're playing on stage Do you have any like crazy stories of audience members or anything on stage that you can remember you know well through, was, through your one career? time
0: we there, there's i'm sure there's any amount of things it's hard to think of anything straight sure. up but we yeah. we were at bb B. king's in new york one time and bb B. himself was there and he he had come out of the, the dressing room and he didn't play that night he was just there to for this function that was going on at, at the club Cool. and uh he he had stuck his head through the door that led onto the stage and he's trying to get john's attention to tell him that he was about to leave and we were all looking at it he was w- waving at us trying to have us get john's attention for him and we were going <laughs> hey phoebe how you doing man great to see you thanks for coming you know yeah and he was like would somebody please get your boss's attention for me <laughs> you know things like that you know yeah that- and uh, i i remember one night in houston billy gibbons was there to see us and that that was a big deal for me
1: oh absolutely i mean going from were were you a young young lad when you first saw him play
0: oh yeah 16
1: and then isn't that crazy then you then you're up there and he's looking at you
0: well he it wasn't like he was there looking at me he just came, you know he just came to check the band out sure and uh yeah it really was it was a it was a big thing for me because they to seeing those guys was always always race way up there with me and you know we did the we did the uh 70th birthday with john when he turned 70 and he he'll be like I say he'll be 90 this week yeah but uh uh mick taylor and clapton played with us and chris barber who was a big proponent of the jazz scene in the 50s and 60s over there you know and he and had brought a lot. He brought John Lee Hooker over the first time to England oh, wow. and all that, you know. And, yeah. and then all these historic guys on there. And I'm sitting there, standing there next to Eric Clapton. And I thought, well, am I going to get the player? I mean, am, am, should I just be, you know, stand by, back here and support? I'm just going to kind of wing it as it goes. And, uh, you know, and John John finishes a solo and turns and looks at Eric. And then Eric looks at me and goes, You want one? Yeah, and I thought, well, if I don't do it now, I'd probably never get a chance to do it again, you know.
1: Oh, cool! But
0: it, it was really cool to get to play with him. That's a, and he a, and he was a he was a real pleasant guy, to, you know, to play with and talk to a little bit.
1: That's so cool, man! The amount of people that you've met, especially like even your idols and stuff, huh? How cool is that, Peter Peter Green?
0: You know what I mean? I, you yeah. know, I remember that one a local guy here that's been long gone, Mister Dicky Ferguson, great guitar player and singer and songwriter. He told me when I was about thirteen years old, I was at a friend of mine's house, and he was there to see my friend's sister. You know, (laughs) and uh, we were in there playing guitars, and he and he stuck his head in the door. He goes, "Sounds pretty good, man." He goes, "You need to listen to Peter Green, (laughs) in 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 a a band called Fleetwood Mac." And you know, I thought Uh I'll take that advice to heart. You know what I mean? Uh And uh, and uh, when I found myself, you know, on a show with him. Well, we we did several tours with the Peter Green Splinter Group in the in europe and here in the states you know and got to know those guys and then later on my my uk-based band that i work with over there was three of more members of uh of that splinter group band you know so we we're all still good friends and probably hopefully we'll be able to do that again
1: you know that's so cool man Hey, well if people want to to find this uh this record and listen to it. Do you do you have a, a site that they can go to or where can they listen to it or is You know, it's if you just type in Texas Scratch
0: on Kordo, Quarto Q U A R T O Valley Records, you know, put that in a search engine and it'll pop up. Okay. Uh it's available as d- downloads anywhere and you can get there are CDs I I I didn't know there were going to be, but there are. I've got a couple of them and uh i'm sure that uh, the the label can supply you with them and
1: uh, is it on um spotify and and itunes and stuff
0: stuff or so yeah but i mean it's it's a tough call man because new cars don't even have cd players in them i know
1: know, i know (laughs) and
0: i mean i guess we're i guess we're in a in a world where it's going to be either off your phone or on a on a zip drive you know
1: exactly yeah um well buddy what a pleasure, man. What a great conversation and uh I, I really enjoyed talking to you. So thanks for yeah, being man, on I was my talking podcast. To you too. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I will uh I'll look for uh look for the album and I'll put it in my subscription, you know, for everybody to uh to go to through a link uh, through my description and uh hope everybody checks it out, man.
0: Okay, please and, and thanks a lot for that. I sure appreciate it. It's been nice talking to
1: you. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.
0: Okay. See you. later.
1: With everything going on in the world today, right now could be the best time ever to diversify your retirement savings with precious metals like gold and silver. I just bought some precious metals myself and I got them from the top rated company, Goldco. They couldn't have made the process easier and their customer service was impeccable. Goldco has helped thousands of people just like you and me place over 2.5 billion in gold and silver. They're rated A plus by Better Business Bureau, They've earned over 5,000 five-star reviews. They're a seven-time incorporated 5,000 winner. And that's just mentioning a few of their accomplishments. There's plenty more. Right now, for my listeners, they're offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver. You heard that right, up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. Go to goldco.com slash guy to learn more. That's goldco.com slash guy diversify your savings with gold and silver today at goldco.com slash guy it's a guy jeans podcast
0: a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life
1: yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby
0: right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv